Hi, this is Steve Addison for the Movements Podcast, the podcast for people who want to multiply disciples and churches everywhere. Our topic for today is how a mission agency can be a catalyst for multiplying movements of disciples and churches. I'll be talking to Jim Shannon and Scott Cheatham for these three partners. I was a, uh, a hospital company chief financial officer uh, for a long time, uh, and uh, I actually took a severance package from a company that I had helped start uh, that had a non-compete clause in it. So I needed to take a year off uh, and, and was preparing for my next opportunity. And about six months into that, uh, my missions pastor invited me to take a class called Perspective on the World Christian Movement. Uh, and for those that are not familiar with that, it's about a 15-week course, very intense. Uh, and, and, and in it, you learn essentially God's missional heart. Uh, and you trace it all through Scripture. And about five weeks into that 15-week course, uh, I didn't know where God was calling me to, but I knew that it wasn't what I had been doing. Uh, and the best way I know to describe it is that uh, I, I just could not visualize if Christ returned and found me padding my retirement account. I just, I didn't know how I could explain that. Uh, and and I, I had an old general counsel who used to say you'd bring him a problem and he would say, well, you've infected me with knowledge. I have to do something now. And that's, I had been infected with knowledge. I now knew, uh, you know, the church here in North America, we often feel like we're playing defense all the time. And uh, to learn that God was, that the church was advancing triumphantly around the world uh, just gave me a whole new enthusiasm that I hadn't had before. Uh, and so I didn't know what it meant. I, 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 I'm, I uh, am involved in a very large church uh, in Dallas, Prestonwood Baptist Church. And so I went to my missions pastor and, and just asked if there was something that I could do. Uh, I started uh, uh implementing the strategic plan that the church had just completed for South Asia and the Middle East, uh, got involved uh, in teaching an early a, a precursor of Four Fields it was called RAD, Radically Advancing Disciples. And, uh, and uh, through that, um, learned about no place left. I was teaching guys in India to do things that I wasn't doing at home and it felt really hypocritical. And, and so I looked for a way to put in practice in Dallas, what, what I was teaching in India and in Iraq and, um, uh, found some guys in no place left, uh, started running with those guys. Uh, I, I still do. Uh, but, uh, about, probably six and a half years into that period. Uh, uh, I was serving on the finance committee at my church and the, and the uh, board chairman at E3 Partners, a great guy by the name of Gerald Prince, uh, served on that committee with me. He asked me to come meet with some members of the board. Um, I thought at the time uh, that they were going to ask me to be the CEO, and I had my speech prepared. Why, you know, I felt like what I was doing was very strategic, and uh, and they didn't ask. <laughs> they wanted me to do some consulting work, 
Uh, I, I looked at E3 at that time as a short-term mission organization. And I love short-term missions, but I felt like the, the multiplication stuff that I was involved with was more strategic. And so uh, when I started talking with them and, and I, I learned that uh, they were very engaged in CPM, that they had begun years earlier to convert the entire organization over to a four fields methodology, uh, that they were running CPM uh, uh, all over the world. Uh, they had long-term missionaries in some of the most unreached places on earth. Uh, at that point, I, I said, I, I don't want to consult. I want to, I want to come on staff. You don't have to pay me. You don't have to, I don't need an office. Just give me something to do. Uh, and so I came on as a, as a, a senior vice president of special projects uh, and, and uh, immediately saw what God was doing. Uh, and I'm still not entirely sure how it happened, but about six months later, I was the CEO. So uh, uh, maybe Scott can explain how that <laughs> happened. I, I, I can't. <laughs> well, Scott, what's, what's your journey? Uh, very similar. Um, it was raised in a uh, I'm from Louisiana, was raised in, a, in an entrepreneurial family, uh, business family, and grew up doing business and, and um, you know, always into building something, growing something, starting something. And in the midst of after getting out of school and, and working with my family and, and doing the entrepreneurial thing, uh, in the midst of doing that, uh, I, I met the Lord, got saved. And the Lord just radically changed my life. And, and, and from that, that moment forward, God kind of changed my desires from, from gaining prosperity in the business world to, to focusing on kingdom things. And, and, and over about a year, 18-month process, God called me and my wife into vocational ministry. And a long story, but, but the, the short of it is, is in the midst of getting called into that, the Lord gave us a vision to see churches planted all over the world. Now, of course, we had no idea what that meant. And, and what we thought by church and what we thought by around the world were two totally different things than what we think that means today. But ultimately, through all of that, the Lord uh, opened up an opportunity for us to, to start churches in our local, uh, in our community. And so we became North American missionaries, uh, started a church with a, with, a, with a friend of ours, and from that started multiple campuses. But when we started that church, we, we sat down and said, what, what does the Bible describe as healthy church? And so we turned to Acts 2, 42 through 47 and just looked at what, what church, what the Bible says. And, uh, and we started a church in our home. And that church multiplied into many other churches within homes. And then we were meeting congregationally. And, and from that, God allowed it to expand into other communities and start other, other groups and, and um other meetings and and um, while that was going on, um, we we began doing some work overseas and started doing some some pastoral training, theological training, and met some guys in South Asia and began to hear about what God was doing in their lives and 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 the strategy that they were using to reach South Asia, and we started comparing it to the strategy that we were using to reach people in the value. And we said, well, those are the same exact things. Yeah. And, and he said, well, we call it four fields. And so we don't call it four fields. We call it this. And, but it was almost identical, the, the yeah. things that we were doing. We were using very, very similar tools, uh, same principles. And, 
And so we just had a kindred heart. We began working together and started traveling in and out of India. And eventually, excuse me, in South Asia, and eventually got invited to come and uh, be a part of that, uh, that, that movement there in South Asia. And so my family and I uh, prayed about it and decided to leave our church and pursue that calling that God had placed on our hearts uh, years before. And we ended up landing in South Asia and working amongst some some amazing movements of God, incredible house church movements. And um, while doing that, met, met some incredible people, uh, Jeff Sundell and others, and they began to invite us to come back and speak into uh, into the ministry at E3. And considering the business background and the North American church playing experience and some of the international church playing experiences, how could we take those experiences mm-hmm. and help craft an organization uh, that would add lift to what God was already doing around the world. And so they asked us to come and work alongside and help build some of the structure and the strategy to to implement that vision that uh, God had placed on all of these leaders' hearts years ago. Uh, and we heard some of that story just recently, you know, uh, that predated you guys with Dan Heidsusen. And it's an amazing story of, you know, no one individual in E3, but, but God intervening and, and, and bringing long-term, uh, slow and steady change. And so you stepped into that. And, and um, what's it been like since uh, you came together and, and stepped into what God's doing in E3? What, what's been happening and, and what are you learning? Uh, I, I say it all the time. I, I feel like the most privileged guy in the world because I'm playing in somebody else's toy box. Uh, we didn't create E3, uh, and 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 the transition to CPM started long before Scott or I got here, uh, and and so to 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 a large degree, a lot of the heavy lifting had already been done, uh, and what was still required was was maybe a little bit of vision, uh, some integration, and some process and structure. Uh, and that's part part of our gifting, I think. And so much of the focus uh, for our first year on the ground, and I say our, it's not just Scott and I. We've got an incredible team, mm. uh, not just in Dallas, but, but around the world. Uh, and uh, so a lot of what our focus the last or the first year that we were here last year uh, was really on focus. In other words, we, we do a lot. This is a very, very broad ministry, uh, you know, anywhere from, you know, we've got mobilization, short-term, long-term, domestic, international. We do training in all of those places. We've got a big media ministry, and I am second. And so it was making sure that everything we do focuses on planting healthy churches. That doesn't mean we're all church planters. But it means that everything we do has to, in some way, contribute to that. We're unapologetically focused on planting churches. Uh, and, and so uh, focus was our first, uh, uh, you know, our first objective. And then infrastructure, building up the infrastructure to make sure that we could elevate strategy and then have all of the different uh, ministry divisions moving in the same direction, supporting a, a one strategy. Uh, and so uh, we've made great strides in that. And so going forward uh, with the with the with the work and the progress that's been made over this last year, now 
we're focusing on uh, unity and execution um, because, you know, uh, uh, as you integrate a lot of different ministry divisions, uh, it, it, unity, you have to fight for unity. That doesn't happen. And so uh, that's, that's going to be our focus this year is unity and execution unity says that and, uh, unity doesn't mean uniformity. Now, we, we are unapologetically church planting, and we believe that the four fields model comes right out of Scripture. And, and so we, we're pretty prescriptive when it comes to that paradigm. We want you to think in terms of that four fields model. When it comes to the tools, I, I like to tell people that four fields model is, in a sense, it's like the pegboard in your garage. It's a place to classify and hang your tools. The tool sets can be different based upon the context that you're in. And so we're not trying to tell people necessarily what tools they have to use. We have some very strong suggestions, uh, but, but, but those tools often need to be contextualized and sometimes completely thrown out and use a different tool set. So, uh, again, we're very prescriptive on the, on the paradigm, but, but we hold the tools a little more loosely. I, the, the other thing that I think we have learned, and this is this doesn't come natural, uh, particularly when you're trying to build out infrastructure, um, and and when it's your background and you feel competent doing it, <laughs> we have to base everything that we do on on deep abiding and a focus on kingdom first. Um, we, we like to talk, we, we talk a lot about giving the kingdom away and the idea that if, if, if we come into the ministry offices every day focused on how to grow E3 or how to make E3 stronger, those are important, but if that's the focus, it's the wrong focus. And so we try to, we in fact, we talk about what really drives us is not church planting. What drives us is, is seeing the knowledge of the glory of God cover the earth as the waters cover the sea. Now, it just so happens that in, that in this age, it is the church that carries that, that knowledge. The glory is evident to anybody who looks. That's not the problem. It's the knowledge, and it's his church that carries that. So we plant churches, but we plant churches for a purpose. And, and so we have to look at, a, at organizations the same way. The organizations are not, a, are not an end in themselves. They are a means to the glory of God. And when the glory of the organization overshadows mm. the glory of God, then the organization needs to go away. And so that's, that's, a, that's a challenge that we face when we, uh, when, when we, when we start to, to – to look at the tools and the structure as as, as somehow driving uh, the ministry, it's, it, it can never be about about E three. And so, what we've tried to focus on is, you know, let's 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 control the things that we can control. And the number one thing we can control is how deeply we abide in Christ. John fifteen is very clear. Apart from Him, we can do nothing. Uh, and so we can have the best strategy. We can have the healthiest finances. We can have the best structure. Uh, and, and, and yet, if we're not abiding deeply and not following the Holy Spirit, you talk about it in your, in your book, the living word and the spirit of God. Uh, that, that is what I've learned um, coming from a secular context into a ministry context. That's the secret sauce. 
it, it's not the structure. It, it's, it's the abiding. And so that's, the, that's what we're trying to create here is an ethos of deep abiding with biblical, uh, with a biblical paradigm uh, in the four fields model. And when you think about movements and you think about how relational they are and, and how everything lives or dies or breathes off a relationship, and it's obviously hinged on your relationship with the world first, but then our relationship with each other and our relationship with nationals and, and different contexts. And so how do we create an environment or a structure that allows there to be that organic relationship, allows there to be that fluidity and conversation and relationship and moving parts, yet creates just enough structure uh, it's, it's, it's chaos can't, can't, can't be chaos if it's not contained or it's not in a container, right? So there's no such thing as chaos. So how do we create a container or structure that allows, uh, the organic or the chaos to ensue, right? And so, um, and that's in essence what we're trying to do, hold loosely what God is doing and add lift uh to 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 what he's already doing one of the things that we're most excited about and actually one of the things that drew me to e3 is this thing that we call the great commission pipeline right where we're where we're what we're doing locally uh results in in in, in, in things happen globally and so uh as we equip and train missionaries here locally and they're working in the local context or working in what we call a residency uh and they are getting equipped as Part of the training that we're doing here today uh, to, to get to pre- prepared to go cross-culturally, they land overseas in a hub and are able to use the gifts and the skills that they've acquired on this side of the water. And, and it, it, it transfers into that other culture as they do cross-cultural training. We, and so, we, there, there was a couple that was involved in, in planting churches and had gotten to fourth gen and deeper uh, in Houston. Uh, and and were incredible practitioners there. The Lord called them uh, out to a that they wanted to work in a, a context, uh, and so they they have they they mobilized into a part of of Europe with a lot of refugees. Uh, were were leading people to Christ right off the boat, uh, and many of those folks, once they encountered Christ, decided I've got to go back and talk to my family about this and 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 instead of moving on into Europe wanted to go back into either North Africa or the Middle East and so they have now moved on from that European post they're relocating uh in into a into a pretty hostile environment mm-hmm. uh to equip those uh those believers uh that those new uh former cousin believers uh, going back into those into those uh, closed places, uh, and so they started. They were practitioners in Houston, uh, saw success there. It's not like they learned this on the airplane on the way over to Europe. Right. They were practitioners here, and they would. And if God had 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 maintained that calling, they would still be here doing the work in Houston. But God called them to go do what they were doing in Houston in another context. They did that, and the Lord led them on into a deeper engagement uh, in a very, very strategic part of the world. And, and so we, we, we see that a lot. We even see it within the U.S. We, we treat North America the same way we treat Asia or Africa or anywhere else. So we, we had, a, uh, we had a, a team that was, that was working in North Carolina, and they got a, they got a, a passion for engaging with Mormons. 
And so they moved, there were like three families that packed up and moved to Salt Lake City. And they are now missionaries to Salt Lake City uh, and doing the same things that the folks that we talked about that had moved to a hostile part of the world, they're doing, it's the same, it's the same paradigm. Uh, and and uh, it, it almost creates the opportunity to plug and play in a sense. Uh, we're, we're teaching the same things here in North America. And in fact, we're teaching many of the things that we're teaching. We learn from our brothers and sisters overseas. The, the four fields model came out of North India and a big chunk of it came from an illiterate farmer that said, hey, this looks like a field to me. Uh, and, and so uh, it, that's what the Great Commission Pipeline it's from everywhere to everywhere. Uh, and, and so that, that's what's exciting about all of this. Mm-hmm. And uh, along the way for those, because uh, you're building a Great Commission pipeline, from everywhere to everywhere. Along the way, what's E3's role, say with a couple like you just mentioned who are now have, have moved from you know, Houston to Europe to the Middle East? And a fueling movements there. How how does um, E three uh, serve and strengthen their hand in the field? I, I would say that our responsibility in that there, there's obviously first relational. We want to come alongside of them and help create team and an environment. Like when we mobilize uh, a unit to a location, we mobilize in a, in a, in a, with a team, and and that helps create. Uh, the opportunity to thrive instead of just revival in the field. We, uh, with coaching and mentoring, with structure and systems, with uh, safety and security, uh, preparation to go to the field, and then preparation while they're on the field of continuing in their education and training and, and to helping them again to thrive. We look at our responsibility as an organization is, is that we're here to serve the calling that God has placed on your life. And we want to come alongside of you and help do anything that we can to help you thrive on the field. And so um, that's what we look at as as our responsibility. Uh, we would we would tell you that the strategy and the resources that uh, accompany that are part of uh, of what E three does. But I think the the thing that that we would say that E three does uh, better really well is that is relationships and uh, having relationships around the world and creating opportunities uh, to work together. Christ. And it's, it, 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 it's embodied in the field structure that we've, that we've implemented over the last year. We, we have tried to flatten the hierarchical structure and create a player coach model that, so that everybody's getting coached by somebody. That's right. Uh, and 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 so everybody's running their own strategy, but they're being coached by somebody. Uh, and I that 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 we believe is 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 going to be a leadership factory. That's it's right. making sure that everybody uh, is being coached to, to increasing levels of responsibility, because at the end of the day, the the limiting factor right now is laborers. That's why we're that's that's why we're constantly praying Luke ten two that the Lord would send laborers into his harvest fields. And so that's what we try to do is to, is to create this, this, this leadership factory in this player coach model. And so that's the thing that I think the organization does best. It, it, there are lots of organizations that can provide 
you know, insurance and 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 and, a, and an LLC to push money through. And I, I, I think what we've really spent resources and time and and quite frankly, God's brought the right people. Jeff Sundell, uh, who is our executive vice president of, of strategy, is is uh, is a huge proponent of the player coach model, and he's been instrumental. Uh, in, in setting this up around the world. And so uh, I, I think I think that to me is the thing that the organization brings. That, yeah. The other stuff is important, but I think that's the that 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 that's that is the secret sauce when it comes to, to 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 what a person on the field can expect from the organization. Yeah. We focused on three controllables because when we when we sat down and talked about what do we really want to see happen here? We talk about now. We want to see a million churches planted by the end of 2025, and and but at the end of the day, we don't control that. We call, we don't control the number of churches that get planted. That's a function of the number of people that come to faith in Christ. Well, we don't control that either. Um, so, what is it that we can control? We control first and foremost how deeply we abide in Christ and how how dependent we are on on the living Word and the Spirit. Uh, the second thing that we can control is the is the number of people that we train and what we train them to do. And we've we've hung our hat on no place left. That's what we're are on on the four fields. That's what that's what we're training people to do. And then the third thing we can control is how uh, how abundantly we sow the seed. How 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 are how how much gospeling are we doing? And more to the point, in, a, in an overseas context, how much are the people that we're training, how much are they sharing? Uh, and so we're trusting the, the limiting factor in all of that is laborers. And so we've been looking for numerous ways to raise up more laborers so that we can see 5 million people trained and 500,000 people a day are hearing gospel. And we believe if that happens, there'll be more than a million churches planted. If you enjoyed that interview, you'll want to go back and listen to episode 207, Restructuring for Movements with Dan Heitzhusen. This has been Steve Addison for the Movements Podcast.